Wow, thank you, thank you. I feel so loved and cared for. It's going to be sad to not be with you in a few weeks here on Thursday nights. Um, it has been such a fun year. I've loved getting to know so many of you here in the room. Um, and pretty incredible just reflecting on what God has done. Got to hop in and hang out with some guys for a little bit last night, and they were just sharing some of the incredible ways that God has been at work uh, this semester. How does this thing lower? Is this? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's too late now, so we'll just do this. Get it out of the way. Um, but, yeah, it was fun just, like, getting to reflect on the semester, really on the year, hearing what God has done. I think it's been incredible. It's been incredible to share it with you, to see so many of you just grow in such incredible, powerful ways, to really care for one another, um, to dive deeper in your walk with the Lord. Um, and so uh, thanks for letting us be part of your life this year. For you that have stepped in for the first year, way to go. Stepping into a room like this, into a community group, um, I, I think it's incredible that you took that step of faith, and I think you've probably seen God show up, which is probably why you're here now. Uh, but as we start to think through uh, the fact that we're wrapping up, heading to this summer, I've started to have some photos from my last summer kind of starting to filter into my phone, you know. Um, you might have heard, I might have shared it a few times. I'm getting to be in Ocean City, uh, New Jersey on summer mission with some incredible people from this room this summer. But I was thinking about it as I saw these photos, that it's just, it's so especially easy to make a photo or an image just look incredible, right? You all probably have your own little tips, tricks, filters that you like to use to take that picture of that stunning sunset, or you notice that great picture on the beach, or that gorgeous, beautiful Chick-fil-A sandwich that you just have to post somewhere. But we also have these pictures of ourselves, right? These kind of filtered photos of ourselves. I was listening to a podcast, and it was fascinating. They were talking about this recent trend in plastic surgery. You know, people going in to kind of have different things done to their body, to their face, and they were talking about it used to be you'd go in and you'd say, all right, doc, I want like this celebrity's cheeks or their nose or whatever it is. But more recently, people have actually been bringing in photos of themselves. They've been bringing in filtered photos of themselves and saying, I want to look like this. Isn't that fascinating? It's like they have, we, there's this real image of who we want to be and we're saying, I want to be my real self, and this is my real self. See, we all have this image of what we think we should be, where the ugliness is removed, the scars are covered over, and if we're honest, we all have things about ourselves that we would want changed. Now, we may not want plastic surgery or whatever it is. Personally, I've not really thought much about it, except that there's some... Incredible cure for male pattern baldness. I uh, take that. <laughs> but we do want something deeper. Internally, we want the ugliness out. We want the scars inside of us covered over. Because if we could take an unfiltered picture of our soul, how would you feel somebody else looking at it? Because in the midst of the beauty, we'd see lots of brokenness. In the midst of the joy, we'd see lots of pain. And in the midst of it all, we have this image, sometimes distorted, but we have this real 
And I think vague, hauntingly, maybe accurate picture that we're not who we're supposed to be. And we can't put our finger on it, but we know there's something that's not quite right that we want to be right. What we're going to look at tonight is a story of a man. This man is ugly inside and out, full of darkness, full of death, spiritually tormented, left for dead. But the man who meets Jesus and everything changes because Jesus does spiritual surgery to this guy. So we may not want the plastic surgery, but we all want some sort of spiritual surgery done to us. And Jesus makes this man into who he was always supposed to be. Because Jesus is our all-powerful creator and savior. Jesus can make you and I who we're supposed to be. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 5. So if you want to open up there to Mark chapter 5, we're going to see that Jesus can make us who we're supposed to be. This is an incredibly fascinating story. We'll try to move through it as much as we can. We're going to take it a little bit in chunks. I'm just going to start. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, um, see, right before this, right before this story, you might have heard there was a calming of the seas or a calming of the storm. Right before this story, Jesus is on a boat with his disciples on what's supposed to be this pretty calm little lake. And all of a sudden, roaring waves come crashing over them. They fear they're going to die. So they reach out to Jesus, and in a word, the storm falls silent. And everything is at peace. So they're just coming from that, and now we move into here. So Jesus uh, comes in on a boat. He steps off the boat, and immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now when I read this, this is actually one of the most hideous and appalling depictions of any man. This guy's living in the graveyard. Look at the descriptions. He's broken chains. I mean, this is one of the most full, intense descriptions of anybody in all the Gospels. It seems to dwell on the details. And I'll just look through a few of them. It says, Jesus steps off and this man meets him, and it's a man with an unclean spirit. Now, what's interesting, sometimes that's referring to kind of demons. But also that word unclean kind of has a connotation. It means there's something polluted about this guy. There's something distorted about his spirit, something distorted about his soul. And the towns, he's seemingly terrified and terrorized the townspeople. And they're trying to do something about it. It says they tried to bind him with shackles and chains, but he breaks the chains apart. The shackles fall off his wrist. This guy's like some mix of like a Frankenstein 
uh, Hulk. Frankenstein, Incredible Hulk, and they just cannot tame him or change him. So instead, they try to get him just confined to live amongst the dead. He's alone. They don't know what to do, so they've treated him like an animal. He's no longer a human. And they're desperate, and they've exhausted all their resources. You can kind of make sense of that. If this guy's been running around town causing a lot of pain and harm, you can make sense why they want to do something about it. But it's interesting because then in verse 5, we kind of get a picture from the man's perspective. It says, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Crying out, cutting himself. There is real pain in this man. There is real suffering. While they're treating him like an animal, he experiences life like a human that he is. And he's abandoned, he's tormented, and he's just unraveling. He's been thrown into this personal chaos, this darkness. He would have never wanted this for himself. So it says he cries out and he cuts himself with stones. And I want to be sensitive about that, but he's cutting himself. And if you've heard people that have thought about or have committed self-harm, there's something strange, but it's, it's like the pain helps remind you that you're human. And there's this sense, you can picture this guy digging in. It's like he wants to cut it out. He wants to cut the evil out of him because he knows he's not right. He wants to cut the pain. He wants to get rid of it. And he digs deep and he digs deep, but he can't do it because we know that trying to do it on our own only makes things worse. And just like this man, you and I, we don't have the power to see ultimate change in our lives. This ugly, distorted, scarred man forces us to confront the unfiltered realities of our soul. We, you, see, you and I, we may not have a demon, but you've sensed you're not the way you're supposed to be. Whether you know Christ or not, well, you've sensed you're not the way you're supposed to be. You feel polluted distorted, dis disordered. You realize that amidst the beauty, there are times where you want the wrong things in the wrong ways at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. You know, if you could take an unfiltered picture of our soul, amidst the beauty, you'd see the bitterness. Amidst the joy, you'd see the jealousy. And those things that just seep out way too often the hidden lust, the anger that feels like an uncontrollable force just raging inside of us, or the anxiety and the doubt that cripple us like chains and weights. Just that overall tendency to want to walk away from God. We have the ugliness. But we also just have the pain. We just have the pain from the past relationships. We have the wounds and the hurt from the unmet expectations. Just that vague sense of loneliness from living in a broken world. And we want that gone. We've tried to get it out, but we just leave ourselves with scars. But we want the ugliness out. We want the scars covered up. So I wonder for you, what would you change about your soul? 
If you could go to a spiritual doctor and say, change me. What ugliness, what sin has kept you from walking with the Lord? Or what has hurt you so deep it feels like you can't ever get over it? And it, and it feels like you need healed to ever fully pursue God. Are there things in your life that are like that? And I don't, These are hard things to be honest about. That's actually what I love about 180. Um, I mean, I love getting to worship. Love getting to share the word, but it's the stories from the people sitting next to you that have been allowed themselves to come up here and actually show you a little bit of the unfiltered picture of who they are, right? They've been willing to share the pain. They've been willing to share the wrong decisions, the wrong attitudes. But the reason they've had confidence to share it is because they've met someone who's changed them. They've experienced Jesus, <laughs> our all-powerful creator and savior who can do spiritual surgery to our souls and make us who we're supposed to be. And that's what the next part of the scene is all about. In verses 6 to 15. It says, When this man sees Jesus from afar, he runs and he falls before Jesus. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you done with me, Jesus? Or what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to this man, uh, to the spirits in the man, come out, of, uh, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. See, Jesus lands. And it says immediately the demon compels this man to run towards Jesus. It feels like some battle's about to take place. This uh, Frankenstein, incredible Hulk, sees who he recognizes as the son of, uh, son of the Most High. The demon knows who he's dealing with. And the man falls and recognizes Jesus. See, son of the Most High God, Jesus is sent by the Father. He is the Son sent by the Father in the power of the Spirit. God incarnate. And He's most high, meaning He's King of the universe. He created everything. He has power over all things. He, everything was created through Him and for Him. And this man comes running with the demon. We expect some mighty battle. You know, kind of picture the end of your whatever favorite movie series, whatever it is. You know, for mine, it's Lord of the Rings, the final battle. That it... Picture it, it's, it's going to be epic, and it's going to take like three hours in the extended scene. It's going to be so good. That's what we expect here is this giant battle of good versus evil. But before the battle even starts, it's over. Because the Most High God is in control and has power. This guy says his name is Legion, the demon inside of him. Uh, that's a military word. It means something like 5,600 uh, soldiers would be in a legion. Kind of picture our military has different 
different words for different sizes of the army. This is about 5,600 soldiers. He's saying, I have power. I have might. This is my dominion. But he recognizes, son of the most high, I have nothing. I can't even fight you. And he starts kind of just, the demon says, uh, just don't destroy me. Just let me see all those pigs. Let me, let me jump into those. Jesus says, okay. And what do you see happen? It's a crazy picture. 2,000 pigs. Picture this. And all of a sudden, these 2,000 pigs run off a cliff and just dive in. It's insane. And there's all sorts of things we can't even talk about, about like the economic impact this has on the region there. That's huge. And it would be terrifying. But it's this picture of what the demon, what evil really wants. It wants to destroy You and I have an enemy that wants nothing other than to absolutely destroy us. But Jesus constrains the evil and sends it into the pigs. And of course, people are all talking about it. You know, people had their phones. It would be all over. Whatever your favorite social messaging app is, it would be the talk of the town. It would be trending. People want to know if it's true when they hear this story. And they show up and they see this man. He says, he's now clothed. He's at peace. This man, who was on the edge of chaos, crying out, cutting himself, ready to fall apart, he meets Jesus. And immediately, he's put into his right mind. He's clothed, calm, and at peace. See, because Jesus created you and I, He has the power to fix us and put us back together when we're broken. Just like he did with this man. This man, who like an animal, was tormented, scarred, left for dead. He meets Jesus. Now he's ready to live with and for Jesus. See, because Jesus is our creator and because he's our king, he can make us into the person we are always meant to be. Jesus, the son of the most high, got himself on earth, all the evil we can't get out of ourselves, he gets out. All the pain we cannot cover, he heals. When Jesus enters our lives, the Son of the Most High, no one else has authority. He sends out all opposing power. And I think this is really helpful for us to think through. And I want to be cautious when I'm about to say, because I think there's an incredibly appropriate and right place for things um, that are incredibly helpful, like counseling or medicine or, or psychologists. And so I'm not saying anybody needs to stop doing any of that by any means. That can be incredibly useful and helpful. And yet I think sometimes we deny our spiritual reality when we start to struggle with this stuff in our lives. We don't bring it to Jesus. We bring it to so many other places, but we've not brought it before the King of Kings. We've not brought it to Jesus who speaks and everything becomes right. Because remember the story of the storm I mentioned that comes right before this? Raging, crazy waves. They fear they're at death. Jesus says a word and in a moment's at peace. This guy has a raging storm inside of him. Jesus comes and he says, peace. This guy's rightly clothed and at peace. That's what I want to be true of my life. And I'm guessing that's what you want to be true of your life, right? You want the storm inside of you to be calmed. You want the pain to be healed. And it happens. Even when your pain and your ugliness feels legion, Jesus still has power. 
no matter what emotional turmoil or spiritual anguish, no matter when life is chaotic, Jesus can say to you, peace, be still. So I wonder if you've brought those things before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of the Most High. There was a really close family member um, of mine who was, I got to share the gospel with. It was incredible. I was really new to my faith, and I took the big step of faith to talk about Jesus with her, and she said, I believe all these things. Um, I was like, great. Do you, do you want to trust Christ? If you believe all of these things about who God is and who Jesus is, you want to invite Christ into your life. It's the best decision you could ever make. She said, I, I believe it, but I'm afraid of what God would do if I gave him my life. It was interesting. She could see his power, the power of God, but not, not the goodness of Jesus. That came because we don't understand how God loves us and values. She feared if she were to give her life over to God. She feared what he would do. She wanted to control. And what's pretty crazy is, if you hear the story of what happened over the next 10 years of her life, she went from this incredibly moral, upstanding uh, woman, married. She found herself at the edge of cheating on her husband that she had dated for 10 years and now had been married for, I think, eight um, six or seven, she was unraveling. She was at the end of herself. I think of that moment where she didn't give her life over to the Lord. And it makes me think a little bit here at the end of this passage. Um, These people come to see the demon or to see the demon-possessed man. They see this man in his right mind and clothes. It says, and verse 16, those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man of the pigs. Like, you won't believe it. And the people, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They don't want anything to do with this kind of power. I think about that for my family member. They didn't want that kind of power near them. They were afraid of it. When they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. It's interesting, these two pictures. You have the townspeople that have seen what has happened with their own eyes and heard it, and they want nothing to do with that kind of power in their lives. You have the man who's experienced the joy and the peace that comes through Jesus and says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. I'll do whatever you say. Do whatever you tell me to do. And Jesus says, go and tell, and he does. Now, when I think about this, I think about that decision that my family member made not to trust Christ, about, you know, they knew the power but not the goodness. What's incredible is if you were to read to the end of the book of Mark, you know, here in this story, 2,000 pigs die. And this man gets life. But you read to the end of the book of Mark, and you see that it's actually Jesus, Son of the Most High God, who dies, that we can have life. Who dies to take on the pain, the ugliness, the sin of our lives. And on the darkest day in the history of the world, goes to the cross, and that's what we'll talk, that's what we'll celebrate tomorrow. It's Good Friday not just 2,000 pigs, it's Jesus who dies. 
And yet three days later, what we'll celebrate is Easter, where we see the power and the power and the goodness and the resurrection. That the evil that we thought put him to death, he's now conquered. He's taken over sin. He's put death to death. We get to have a life in him. And now we get to become like him. Pick that image that we have of ourselves. Like I said, there's something wrong, but there's also something right about it. It's because we're not who we're supposed to be. It actually in the scriptures, in 1 John, it says, when we see Jesus, we will be like him, for we will see him as he truly is. You and I are meant to be molded into the image of Christ himself. So I wonder for you, what do you want changed? What inside of you calls and cries out for a loving Savior? What needs put back together? Where do you need the spiritual surgery? Where are you not in the image of Jesus, but you need his help? You need his love. You need his grace. You need his power. See, this man in this story here is a picture of what's happening to us. Well, you don't have power to get out. Jesus has power to get out. Well, you don't have power to heal. Jesus can heal. Cry out to God. Fall before him. Bring these things before him. And I think you'll see the incredible power and love of Christ. And the second thing from this story, especially as you think about this summer, go and tell someone. That's what this man does. He can't help but to go and tell. He goes wherever he's at. He goes back to home to his family, to his friends. He goes throughout the city and he proclaims what Jesus has done for him. So as you had in the summer, my challenge to you would be take all these things and lay them before the feet of your creator and then go and tell others about him. What would that look like for you to do this summer? Because Jesus can do spiritual surgery on your soul. That family member I, I told you we were talking about, we got a phone call about her that night. Her husband had called us and said, hey, She's, uh, she's at this other guy's house. I think our marriage is over. And he's just weeping. And Casey, my wife, and I prayed with him over the phone, prayed for her. And apparently something in that moment, she got to his doorstep, ready to live out all the ugliness. She turned around. She drove home, just a mess, weeping, because all the ugliness she tried to cover up had come out in that moment. And we got to begin sharing the gospel with him. We got to begin sharing again what Jesus can do. They both put their faith in Christ. And their life has been transformed. <laughs> they never really went to church, never cared a whole bunch about spiritual things. They've been so changed by Jesus, like this demoniac, that now they've gotten involved in an incredibly active, faith-filled church. She actually serves on staff at this church now. He's an elder at this church. And they brought friend after friend after friend into the community of followers of Jesus because she sensed what it was like to be put back together by Jesus. So if you think you're too far, you're not. If you think you're on the edge of chaos and falling apart, you're not too far for the call of Christ. Reach out to him. Bring him all you have. Say, Jesus, make me into the image of who you've made me to be. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray for us as we head into this Easter weekend that we would be willing to confront 
the things that are not right in our life because we see, as when we celebrate tomorrow, all of our sin is nailed to a cross. As Sarah shared about a few weeks ago, all of our debt and sin has been nailed to the cross. And Jesus, you and power have been risen. You have dominion and authority. You put to death death. You've conquered sin. You've claimed us for your own. Lord, I pray for my friends here in this room that if they've sensed their ugliness, they've sensed who they're not who they're supposed to be, they're wrestling through the pain of things that they just can't get over. I pray that you'd say, peace be still and make them right in their heart and in their mind. Make us more into the image of who you made us to be, which is the image of Christ. And pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180 Podcast.